Sometimes you just want the quick facts. No opinions, no speculation. I'm Claire Thornton, an audio editor with USA Today. My team works around the clock to bring you the Five Things podcast. Every morning, me and my co-host Taylor Wilson help you know what to keep an eye out for that day. We always have a fresh mix of stories, from politics to entertainment to sports, covering all parts of the country. On Sundays, you can lean back with in-depth episodes about stories you may have heard earlier that week. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite shows and start listening to Five Things today. Inside Florida Politics, powered by Gannett. Governor DeSantis signs a bill retaliating against social media companies that ban Trump. Florida is rejecting federal money for enhanced unemployment benefits, and the state could soon institute a new civics education rule aimed at banning the teaching of critical race theory. Hello, I'm Sarasota Herald Tribune political editor Zach Anderson, and those are some of the stories I'll be discussing with Palm Beach Post reporter Wendy Rhodes and Gannett State Capitol reporter John Kennedy. But first, that music means it's time to pick some numbers. John, do you have a number for us today? Zach, I do have a number this week that figures in Florida politics, and it's uh, it's four. A All right. Four. The Fab Four. Good one. And uh, Wendy, how about you? I have a number. Uh, my number is 7.4. 7.4. All right. And my number is 1,000. Remember those numbers, folks. We'll tell you what they mean in Florida politics at the end of the show. Well, on Monday, Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill going after so-called big tech censorship. This was one of the governor's top priorities and a prominent culture war issue after social media companies such as Facebook and Twitter banned Trump for incendiary comments. John, this is something that will boost DeSantis with the GOP base, but even some conservatives view it as unconstitutional, right? Yeah, well, there are plenty of critics of the social media crackdown that DeSantis, he demanded this not long after his ally, former President Trump, got banned for inciting the insurrection on January 6th. But uh, much of the criticism we're hearing so far is from technology organizations who are promising a legal challenge, uh, saying that the new Florida law violates both free speech rights and the Commerce Clause of the uh, Constitution. And um, indeed, once upon a time, uh, like as recently as maybe two or three years ago, there was a very uh, libertarian view, you know, conservative libertarian that that the internet was a thing that should be free from government interference, but uh, but that seemed to go out the window in the Florida legislature, where only one Republican, Senator Jeff Brandis of St. Petersburg, who uh, you know maybe he's the last of the libertarians, or at least uh, he's the lone Republican that's willing to uh, buck uh, Governor DeSantis on this. He voted against the legislation, and uh, and that was it on the Republican side. But uh, the community. Computer and Communications Industry Association, which is a nonprofit tech sector trade group, uh, they said that the new Florida law likely won't stand up. And uh, so, too, did uh, Tech Freedom, a a technology think tank who uh, I spoke with, and uh, they call it a a First Amendment train wreck. They they look at 
DeSantis wanting to basically compel websites to act a certain way when uh, these private companies have a fundamental right to decide what speech they will allow and what speech they won't allow on their platforms. It's just like, you know, there's monumental case law in, in this country that says you can't, uh, j just as news organizations have a, uh, a right to publish something, uh, they can't be ordered to publish something either. And uh, in this case, uh, that's some of the area that DeSantis seems to be treading on with this legislation. Uh, a, a short version of the 22-page bill, it, it orders social media companies to publish standards which uh, that include detailed definitions of when someone would be censored or blocked. And uh, it makes Twitter, Facebook, and other online companies subject to as much as $250,000 daily fines for deplatforming a Florida candidate. Um, the bill also requires requires that a site notify users within seven days that they could be censored, uh, kind of giving them time to correct a posting. And uh, it also allows people to sue the, the media companies if they feel that they've been wronged in any of these policies. But, uh, you know, whether the law ever survives may be a discussion for another day. But for, for, for now, DeSantis has, you know, again, earned more props from conservatives who uh, insist that Trump was wrong. And, uh, you know, Trump is still off social media, mostly after a Facebook oversight board just recently uh, continued its ban. But, uh, you know, for DeSantis, it helps elevate his national profile again you know, among the, the, the voting cohort that he really wants. And that's the that's the Trump voter. And, you know, uh, it, it does seem like uh, a lot of the conservative base is going to be happy about this. But I thought it was interesting. The National Review uh, published an article uh, this week when the headline was Florida's DeSantis backed big tech bill is a mess. Now, the National Review has is been uh, kind of supportive of DeSantis. I think they famously ran a headline that was along the lines of where does Ron DeSantis go to get his apology in relation to to his uh, pandemic uh, response, but it's kind of more of a mainstream, uh, you know, not necessarily a, a Trump backing uh, conservative uh, publication. I just thought it was interesting, sort of, um, you know, some mainstream conservatives, uh, you know, people who uh, constitutional conservatives might be be leery of this, but this is, you know, not something that, that really, um, you know, uh, uh, I mean, you, you view this as something that most conservatives are probably pretty happy about. Right. Well, I guess, you know, the, the, the Trump conservatives will be. But, yeah, I think I think as, as you point out, the you know, the kind of National Review audience uh, is a little bit more the traditional uh, conservative Republican who who doesn't view, you know, a government playing a role in dictating what private companies can do. And these are all private companies as much as DeSantis keeps talking about them basically being the public square today. Uh, you know, in other words, you know, this is where people uh, exchange ideas ideas. Uh, still, th these are private platforms and they can uh, police them the way they want to. Uh, I, I think a lot of Republicans feel wary about the idea of government stepping in and uh, telling these private companies, uh, here is what you must do.
Yeah, and the interesting thing is that DeSantis seemed to be one of those uh, when he was in Congress, very libertarian minded. I think he even wrote a book that was sort of um, based on, you know, principles of the Constitution. So, um, you know, this seems to be a little bit different than what he was talking about then. Um, Well, the DeSantis administration also announced this week that Florida will join a growing number of states that are rejecting federal unemployment benefit money. The federal government is providing an extra $300 in unemployment benefits on top of what states offer. And the federal program had already been set to expire in September, but Florida will stop awarding the benefits on June 26th now. Wendy, I know you've written about the the job market recently. Employers complain that some people would rather stay home and collect uh, extra unemployment benefits than get back to work, uh, and that they say that's creating a labor shortage. Is the labor issue that simple? Well, um, many people have said that to me, but um, but I'm not sure how much that's the case. Um, one industry expert that I spoke with at Florida Atlantic University called it a, a quote, PR tagline that both employers and um, state Republicans and the hospitality and leisure industry are using to kind of deflect from the fact that these workers, uh, many of whom earn minimum wage, are grossly underpaid. And that's why they have to work two or three jobs sometimes, often still without health insurance or paid time off. So the idea that taking away the federal unemployment supplement will force people back to work and solve the worker shortage problem, uh, they say, is ignoring the fact that people can work full-time jobs and still not be able to afford to live in Florida. Um, minimum wage here right now is only eight sixty five an hour, which is equivalent to about eighteen thousand dollars a year. And who can live on that? You know, no one. Um, people can't even live on the fifteen dollars an hour that the minimum wage is going to be going up to uh, by twenty twenty four. So what we have here is a situation where workers are leaving the hospitality industry for better paying jobs. Um, But businesses and political leaders are saying that if people are working and unemployment numbers are low, then everything is okay. And that if they cut off the federal supplement, that's going to be the result. But the workers and worker advocates themselves say this is far from reality. And there needs to be a come to Jesus moment about pay and benefits if these companies expect to uh, attract employees and fill these vacant positions. And Wendy, you mentioned the hospitality industry. I get the sense that that's where a lot of this criticism of the uh, federal unemployment benefits is coming from. You know, Florida has really a massive hospitality industry, about one and a half million people, uh, you know, work in the industry. It, it, you know, covers everything from Disney World to, you know, the beach uh, hotels and restaurants and and all these, um, you know, different employers all across the state. And it's it's notorious as a pretty uh, low wage, high stress uh, industry. Um, you know, it, it's very also very politically uh, connected in Florida. Did you get the sense that that's really where a lot of these complaints are, are coming from that, uh, you know, that they're from sort of this this low wage industry that may be competing more directly with, um, you know, unemployment benefits? 
I mean, I certainly do think that it's a chunk of it um, because a lot of these people are still unemployed. You know, there's there's this message out there that, well, there's hundreds of thousands of jobs and, you know, these employers, especially in restaurants, they can't find workers. Well, that's all true. But there's also still a chunk of workers that still aren't working. You look at the cruise industry. That's a major industry here in Florida. And it's still dry dock. These people still aren't working. And it's not so simple. You know, if you're a, a singer or an entertainment on or entertainer on a cruise ship, for example, you know, you can't necessarily go be a busboy. You know, they're, they're two different things. Um, but I think that the hospitality and leisure industry, because it's so large in Florida, it's what we tend to talk about. But there's certainly other industries where people make low wages. And when I say low wages, I'm talking about $15 an hour and under. You know, uh, that's the majority of people, certainly in Palm Beach County where I'm at, and I think throughout the state. Yeah, uh, it, it definitely um, seems to be uh, a little bit more complicated uh, than, um, you know, some of the, the public messaging here. But, uh, it, you know, it's, it's a critical issue for people. I mean, uh, this is, um, you know, has been uh, a devastating uh, last year and, and a few months here with the pandemic. And uh, some people are still um, just getting back uh, on their feet. So uh, we'll see how this all uh, plays out in terms of whether, um, you know, this, you know, <laughs> whether the labor issue, uh, you know, eases here uh, when these benefits come out or, uh, or stop being paid or if it uh, continues to be a problem here in the state. John, DeSantis has really been out in front on a lot of uh, hot button uh, conservative issues like the big tech censorship issue that we mentioned earlier, but not really on this one. You know, Florida is the 23rd state to reject these benefits. So that means that 22 other states uh, went before Florida. Any thoughts on why uh, DeSantis waited on this one? Uh, he did take a lot of heat early in the pandemic for Florida's uh, dysfunctional unemployment system. Yeah, I think that may be at the root of it. Uh, you know, DeSantis w was kind of slow to jump on this issue. He, he seemed to wait until the uh, state's Department of Economic Opportunity, uh, the, you know, the unemployment office, uh, th that in its most recent unemployment report last week, they cited that there were a half a million jobs open in Florida. That number seemed to uh, stick with the governor. And, uh, you know, he, he earlier took steps by, you know, he dismissed talk in the legislature about increasing the state's unemployment employment benefits. Uh, that was back when the, the legislature was in town during uh, March and April. Uh, he, he, ba that he basically, in his, with his words, killed off a proposed $100 increase in the uh, $275 a week maximum that uh, that people that are drawing unemployment benefits can receive. That that increase was even approved by the Republican-led Senate, but um, it, the House didn't really want to do it. And then when DeSantis weighed in against it, that basically killed the idea. But when it comes to refusing this money that's come, coming from Washington, the, uh, the 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 relief money, he, he wasn't that eager. And uh, even this uh, end isn't coming until the end of June, uh, midsummer. So, you know, it might be that he knows that everything related to Floridians getting unemployment benefits has been a headache, one that he was forced to share in, uh, you know, when he had to explain away the troubled Connect online benefits application portal, which which you were referring to there a moment ago. And, uh, you know, so I, I have a feeling he may have been a little wary about doing something that could 
draw more heat on him, like, you know, ending benefits too early. But, um, you know, now suddenly there seems to be a, a critical mass of uh, service industries. Uh, but uh, as Wendy points out, they seem to be mostly uh, restaurants and bars saying that they can't get good help. So uh, I think he feels a little bit more comfortable acting, though even this acting is kind of slowly. Yeah, it, it's sort of hard to remember now, but at the beginning of the pandemic, when, you know, people, when there was these lockdowns and, um, you know, tons of people were thrown out of work, uh, they were all applying for unemployment benefits and the system was a mess. Uh, you know, people were having a, a very difficult time logging on and, and uh, getting their benefits through and then getting them paid. And so uh, I get the sense that he didn't really want to touch this issue until it had played out a little bit more. Well, another hot button issue uh, that DeSantis is wading into is the debate around civics education and discussions about the country's racial history. The governor is pushing a new rule for K-12 schools that will go before the Florida Board of Education next month. John, you've been looking into this uh, new foray by DeSantis into the culture wars. What is the controversy here? Oh, I know. Yeah, he's he's ready to claim a new front in uh, what his critics are saying, you know, these culture war issues that he he seizes on. His administration is expected to approve these new limits on the teaching of racial history in Florida schools. The uh, the Republican governor has so far spent the past few weeks ridiculing critical race theory, as he describes it. Uh, th- this is a concept that examines the role that race has played in shaping American history and, and modern society. Uh, but a rule that's going to go before the Florida Board of uh, Education on June 10th uh, is intended to uh, basically endorse DeSantis's view that teachers, uh, as the rule says, uh, or, or as the governor said, he, he said that the, he, teachers should not be indoctrinating kids with faddish ideologies. Um, the, the, the rule itself says that the instructors may not define American history as something other than the creation of a new nation based largely on universal principles stated in the Declaration of Independence. Uh, it, it also says that teaching should be factual and objective and uh, not distort and or suppress significant historical events. Um, Still, you know, it seems the message is clear from DeSantis. This is a pushback against critical race theory, a concept, uh, you know, about some of the inequities of our nation's history that it really has gained new life amid the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, For Republicans, though, it's become a talking point for kind of courting conservative voters. It's a it's a topic that's frequently on Fox News. And uh, it's another one of those culture war moments like transgender athletes playing women's sports, which, of course, the Florida legislature approved a bill banning and uh, and the governor is expected to sign that. Uh, And of course, the governor has also uh, jumped on elections law changes that are sweeping the nation, again, driven by Republican legislatures. And uh, he's also signaled that uh, his view of a Black Lives Matter to a great degree by by signing the the so-called anti-riot bill. That was the uh, legislation, House Bill 1, that enacts tougher penalties and new crimes uh, stemming from violence at demonstrations. So, you know, critical race theory is one of those issues that uh, 
uh, conservative uh, quarters seem to be getting obsessed with right now. It emerged during the Obama presidency when his opponents accused him of being under the influence of uh, Derek Bell, who was uh, an originator of the critical race theory concept and uh, was a professor at Harvard Law School when Obama was there. And uh, Republican politicians, especially those like the governor, who, you know, are seeking to uh, get a higher national profile. They're seizing on it as a problem across America. Uh, critical race theory is not really being taught directly in Florida schools. Uh, the, the head of the state's teachers union tells me that, that you know, the, the inequities uh, it cites are undoubtedly making their way into many teachers' presentations on American history and social studies. And it seems that maybe this is what the governor is looking to stop. Uh, DeSantis uh, dismisses the idea that, you know, this is going to lead to the elimination of, say, you know, that the teaching that slavery existed in America. He says that's not going to happen. But but educators are, are worried that it's going to lead to teachers being worried about running afoul of the new rule uh, whenever they get into discussions of uh, our economy, uh, voting laws, or you know our history of westward expansion and the territorial land grabs of uh, earlier centuries. Uh, so you know it, it clearly clashes with anything like uh, academic freedom. But the uh, governor, it's uh, it's an issue, and uh, and and this Republican-controlled government is more than willing to go along with whatever uh, DeSantis wants right now. So I think we're going to see this enacted out of the Board of Education, uh, and we'll see how it winds up being applied in classrooms come come August and September. Yeah, I mean, it really does seem like DeSantis is checking pretty much every box that uh, yeah. is a hot button issue for conservatives right now, whether it's the big tech bill, whether it's, um, you know, the, the voting restrictions bill, whether it's the transgender bill. And now uh, we have this critical race theory issue that's going to come before uh, the Board of Education next month. So that's uh, another one to, to watch out for. Well, we'll move on to some numbers here. Uh, Wendy, you want to tell us about yours? Sure. Uh, my number is 7.4, and um, it relates to housing affordability. And I chose that because it actually connects back to what we were talking about before uh, with unemployment and the job market and low pay, um, because that directly affects somebody's of, uh, ability to afford housing. Um, so housing and rent prices are skyrocketing in Southeast Florida, and particularly here in Palm Beach County, which I'll use as an example. Typically, a person and um, the calculation to decide how much house a person can afford to buy is three times their annual income. So if you earn $100,000 a year, you can afford a $300,000 house. If you earn $50,000 a year, you can afford a $150,000 house. But now, with the rapidly escalating cost of housing and the average salary as low as it is, this is throughout Florida, but I'm using, I'm using Palm Beach County as an example, it's now 7.4 times greater. A, a median house is now 7.4 times more than the median household income. Mm. That's two and a half times higher than it was just a few years ago, which, again, using Palm Beach County as an example, makes buying a home out of reach for 
87% of households. And this is a trend that we're seeing, this affordability squeeze in cities across Florida. Yeah, that, that's such a huge issue and one that uh, lawmakers are going to have to grapple with. I mean, I was talking to, uh, I was at DeSantis's event um, yeah, yesterday in Sarasota where he was talking about, um, you know, so, uh, teacher bonus money. And at the same time, I was talking to a school board member who was there and she was talking about how it seemed difficult uh, for, they have all these openings for teachers and it's difficult for teachers to afford um, housing. And I talked to somebody recently who sold their house and and she said it sold in, in one day uh, for above the asking price. So just a, a huge issue, uh, a long, uh, long time standing issue in Florida, but one that seems to be getting uh, worse here. John, uh, you want to tell us about your number? I do. I have a uh, four and four, Zach, is four months. And that's how long it is until the Florida legislature returns to the Capitol for, yes, the, the first committee weeks of the 2022 legislative session. Uh, Florida has a 60 day session, which just ended April 30th. But next year's session begins early in January because it's an election year. And this gives uh, lawmakers a chance to finish their two months work uh, early and get out of town to uh, campaign. Uh, House and Senate leaders this week unveiled the calendar with the uh, first committee meetings beginning September 20th. So we're already actually a little under four months before the start. Uh, there are uh, six full weeks of committees uh, scheduled before the session kicks off January 11th. Um, while legislators may be looking to finish the 22 session by, you know, whatever that would be, mid-March and get campaigning, uh, something tells me that they may be back a little or a lot next spring and summer because uh, next year the, the legislature will be charged with uh, that once a decade redistricting process, uh, redrawing district boundaries for the House, Senate and uh, congressional seats in the state. And uh, there's a good chance that these district boundaries boundaries get challenged in court. Uh, I've, I've, I've seen you know, this happened a few times. You haven't gone through a, a few of these redistricting rounds and uh, and they rarely go easy. And um, of course, for, for those wanting to campaign, you've got to have district boundaries set. So a lot of uh, these campaign dreams will uh, figure in where the district lines fall. So uh, while we're starting next year, shortly after the new year, um, legislators may still be around the Capitol come July 4th or beyond. Yeah, redistricting sessions are always uh, pretty interesting, and this one really could be huge. Uh, I saw uh, one redistricting uh, analyst tweet that just in Florida alone, if the districts are changed, uh, you know, to favor Republicans, uh, Republicans could pick up enough seats to um, win control of Congress. So it's a, a huge battle um, that's going to play out in the next legislative session. Well, my number is. $1,000 $1, is the amount of money that teachers and principals are receiving in bonuses this year. Governor Ron DeSantis toured the state yesterday to tout those teacher bonuses. The governor is taking a victory lap after getting much of what he wanted during the legislative session. He's particularly eager to tout this bonus money for teachers, which comes after a difficult school year, really one of the most challenging that Floridians have ever faced. Teachers were forced to navigate a, a very different education environment this year and faced really significant uh, health risks. Some of them likely weren't thrilled at how DeSantis pushed to quickly open schools. The governor 
isn't making any apologies for his uh, approach to school reopenings during the pandemic. And in hindsight, having schools open proved to be less of a health concern than some feared. Regardless, teachers were on the front lines of the pandemic and the bonuses are good policy and good politics for DeSantis to show he appreciates their efforts. Of course, DeSantis didn't mention yesterday that Florida's budget is fattened with billions of federal stimulus dollars. One reason the state is able to pay out teacher bonuses is and include a lot of other spending in the budget is because of that federal money, which no Republican in Congress voted for. Well, that wraps up another episode of Inside Florida Politics. I want to thank Chander Hopeful for the audio production help today. And thanks to all of you for listening. Stay safe. We're out of here.